When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Looking to expand or move your company? Ohio has the talent you need to scale for growth. Ohio's central location, reliable infrastructure, and top-ranked business climate are here to help you succeed. Get to business. Visit successinohio.com today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Story Song Podcast. I'm Dan McInerney. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. This is a uh, special mini-sode that we're doing, and um, we're going to have, on these mini-sodes, we're going to have like a premise that we're going to run through and and discuss, and and we're going to keep it kind of contained and and tight and have one sort of idea that we're going to explore here. But for these mini-sodes, so we had done a couple of them uh, this summer. We wanted to bring back the concept because we like doing it, and I think for these mini-sodes, and see what you guys think of this, Basically, my thesis is that every song is telling a story, mm-hmm. right? Even if it's not strictly a story song, right? And we're pretty loosey-goosey about the term story song here at the Story Song Podcast. Um, I don't know if we're every... too loosey-goosey. Well, I'm just <laughs> saying, we, you know, as long as we're like, as long as it, you know, because some people will be like, it's got to be like the night the lights run in Georgia, right? It's got to be like yeah. beginning, middle, story. end, like, yeah. There has to be so, a clear murderer. Right. Exactly. Um, but, you know, so, so, but I, I, I would say our, our our premise here is that every song is telling a story in terms of, you know, what it's what it's trying to say. Right. right. So maybe it's not like a traditional story. It could be more like poetic or whatever. But even a song like we have discussed off mic, like smells like teen spirit. Right. The lyrics are nonsense, but there's it's still telling you something right about the, you know, what Kirk Cobain about thought spirit. about teen spirit. <laughs> the deodorant about you know <laughs> yeah. whatever the the way he saw life his generation whatever it is so um so that sort of thing and then the other thing about a song is that outside of the lyrics is what is um you know what's around it the way the song is presented right. is also telling a story including who is singing it right which oh. watch this segue Hello. so that's what that's what this mini sode <laughs> that's what this mini sode is about is Gender flipped covers. So a cover, uh, a song was sung by a man and a woman covers it or vice versa. And what does that mean? How does that change the story? How does that change what the song is saying when you do that? Now, this yeah. is our premise is gender, gender flip covers that are more interesting than the original or at least interesting. Right. Um, yeah. Gives it kind of an interesting flavor by flipping it listen it's subjective this is just our our feelings oh, and also course. we're not saying that one is better than the other it's yeah just that i think in that's the a act- good point 
I think it's that in the actual, in the, just in the idea of who is singing the song could be something that was not, that, that doesn't happen in the first version of the song. Yeah. It's by, by changing who's singing the song, it adds different, different layers to the song. It adds a different perspective to the story. It doesn't mean that one version is better than the other. Right. Exactly. Yes, Yes, exactly. Very much yeah, and and like I said, it goes back to that premise of what is the song saying with its presentation, and that by you know by having a different kind of person singing it, it changes the yeah. the, the meaning of the song. Perhaps we'll discuss. Yeah. Um. All right. <laughs> That's what we're here for. <laughs> so I'm going to start. We each picked two songs that we're going to talk. We're going to go round robin. I'll start, mm-hmm. and then uh, move on to Michael, then Rachel, and then we'll go back to me. And then Michael and Rachel again. Um, so I'm going to start. And this, the first song that I picked is House of the Rising Sun by the Animals. Now, this one's a little, you know, admittedly, maybe even a little different than the rest of the songs we're going to talk about. In that originally it was a traditional folk song. And there's a lot of different versions. There's a lot of, a lot of different versions of the lyrics. And in fact, the Animals wrote new lyrics for their version. why I picked it is traditionally it was about a woman, although there are versions, again, because there's a million different versions, there are versions about ma- a man before the animals did it. But traditionally it's about a woman because House of the Rising Sun is a, what's the word? A brothel. Yeah. A house of ill repute. <laughs> so traditionally when it says, you know, I, I got trapped in the House of the Rising Sun, you know, tell your children not to do what I have done. It was pretty clear that she had become a prostitute, right? right? And was and was now trapped here in the House of the Rising Sun. Yeah. When a man sings it and he's like, Tell your children not to do what I have done. Uh, I live a life of misery in the House of the Rising Sun, it's kinda like, Well, what happened? <laughs> like what right. what happened to him? Like, you know what I mean? It, it just by by changing that gender it really kind of changes the song and adds kind of a layer of mystery to it because now it's not so clear what happened to him. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I think that's true. There's no, I mean, it in the the versions that I've heard sung by a woman, it is it's fairly straightforward that she didn't right. want to go into this business and she found herself um, you know, sort of falling into this uh this house of ill repute. But what when the when the animals sing it, you're listening to it and trying to figure out what what was it? Did he fall in love with a woman there? And then, you know, it didn't work out because of this. Was it that, you know, something terrible happened on a specific night? You, you, there's no, there's nothing to specifically grasp onto. Um, aside from the fact that he, he talks about going back to New Orleans to where that ball and chain, like, like he's constantly pulled back to it. He can't get out of whatever life they're living in New Orleans. The animals version is about a gambler. He talks about how, right. 
he's oh, okay. a gambler and that, you know, a, a gambler is only happy when he's on a streak or whatever. So, and no, presumably. that's his dad. That's his right, father. But I, but I think he's also a gambler. I think. Yeah. I believe. Anyway, it's, the, again, the lyrics are not totally clear. Um, but I think that's what you are to assume that. And again, presumably there would be gambling in a brothel, um, not its main source of revenue or reason for existing, but right. certainly it would be happening in there. Um, but, you know, so so clearly something happened. He lost all his money, you know, whatever. Maybe he's, like, forced into, like, indentured servitude uh, in, in, in the House of the Rising Sun or whatever. But, again, the fact that we don't know for sure when he says, I came to my ruin in the House of the Rising Sun, like, we don't know. Maybe he killed someone, you know, and is now right. on the run. Like, what, there's, it's not clear. So, again, by just by flipping that gender, because, again, if, if a woman sings it, you can be pretty... You know, you can assume that she's a prostitute and now she's stuck in the House of Rising Sun. Right. But, you know, when it, when it's a man, by just by flipping that, again, you always left the question of like, well, what happened? We don't know. Um, so that was why that's why that's my first choice. Yeah. For- I'd also heard that there was something in the animals version about like drugs and alcohol. As well, to mm-hmm. do with it, like that, that that was one of the things he was sort of trapped in in right. the House of the Rising Sun. So. Yeah, to your point, there there's a little bit more mystery, and they don't really get into what keeps him spending his life in sin and misery. Right, right exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on to Michael. What was your first choice? Well, Dan, my <laughs> first <laughs> my first choice is it's a man's 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 world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been covered a billion times, but um, the original is by James Brown, and I think one of the more famous covers uh, that I would like to talk about is by Cher. This is a man's world. This is a man's world. But it would be nothing. For several reasons. I mean, like, the song cha- definitely changes um, when it's a man singing, this is a man's world. Right. Um, I mean, the lyrics are, this is a man's world, but it would be nothing without a woman or a girl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it definitely changes when you have a male singer singing it in 1966, I think, versus a female singer. Um Specifically, share. Right, um, <laughs> right. It helps that it's share. <laughs> well, share who 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 is, uh, you know, kind of a feminist icon, right. um, and and strong, independent, like like sort of it. it her her singing this in the mid nineties is sort of almost and I I, I don't know like. <laughs> I don't well, know what I I'm think, trying to say. I, it, well, it's I mean, sort I, of flipping it. It's sort of a counter right. to what James Brown is saying. That's what I was saying. Just just by her singing it, right, without even changing the lyrics, and you can tell us in a second if she changed the lyrics, but even without changing the lyrics, just by her singing it, it's almost a repudiation of the original song without changing anything. Right. Because yes. right? when he says it, right, when he's singing it, I think he's literally saying it is a man's world, but don't forget to, you know, to have a woman in your life as well. Like, don't just live, you know, 
like that that life. You need you need love as well. Whereas I I think she's saying you think it's a man's world, right? Or it's exclusively right. a man's world. Right. And you're living in, you know, uh, you're 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 approaching it that way and you're living in your little man's world. Now she's putting it in quotes, right? Yeah. You're living in yeah. your man's world, but don't, you know, don't let me go. Like don't right. don't forget that I'm half of this. You know what I mean? So just again, just by her singing it, who's singing it and when it's being sung, it's almost like an answer to that without even changing the lyrics. And and even yeah. in the orchestration that they do for the share version, there's a different feel. There's a, a very much a different feel to it. Um, the, there, I think also, yeah, I mean, I, I agree that I think there is an idea of like, this is an empowerment. Like, don't, don't forget. It would be nothing without women. Right. Um, uh, this is also off of an album, we should say, because I do think it's important for this conversation, off of an album that Cher did of all uh, covers by all male artists, right? Uh, mostly, mostly. Right? mostly. Or a, a good percentage but of them, yeah. Is this one Walking Memphis is off of? Yes. So yeah, And I so think she that, covers like a Don Henley been, song, too. So she was exploring at this time, like what those, what those you know, mm -hmm. sort of stereotypes and what those like archetypes were like. So to do a James Brown song, James Brown, of course, and one of his most famous songs, uh, right. I think alone was a statement for Cher to do, right? She was not doing it just because like, oh, I'm going to cover this song. She chose oh, this yeah. song specifically to make the statement of this is a man's world, but it would be nothing without a woman or a girl. Like it's, you know, it's not just yeah. a nice little sentiment. Like she was making a statement with this and with the album. Yeah. Um, and even the album cover, uh, which is an amazing album cover if you've never seen it it's Cher um with a snake wrapped around her arm holding an apple um <laughs> mm, subtle yeah it's <laughs> it's one of the coolest album covers I've ever seen um and it's it's almost a shame that it came out in 1995 uh when you know, albums came out like at that point exclusively on CD and cassette, like because right. on a on a twelve inch cover, like on a on a vinyl album cover, that would have been amazing. <laughs> would have been That's so cool to see in record stores instead of like impact. a tiny CD cover. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and and to your point, she does not change the lyrics. There are a couple of things that do change in the the opening verse James Brown says and it's almost like an aside but it it does make a difference he says you see man made the car to take us over the road Cher doesn't put in the you see uh-huh so like Cher's stating like okay this happened this happened this happened whereas James Brown is almost like mansplaining like, a, a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah he's like declaring it and Cher's saying like okay so man made the the car yeah but the end of the song ends with uh, James Brown saying he's lost in the wilderness, he's lost in the bitterness, and it sort of fades out from there. Yeah. Cher sings that, and the music goes on, um, and she repeats, he's lost, he's lost in the wilderness, and then just ends with her saying he's lost. So I think there's, I, I don't know, there, there's, it's definitely much more <laughs> empowering uh, right. from Cher's perspective. Uh, and it should also be noted that uh, several years later, Cher recorded a song called "Woman's World," nice. mm. and where, she was featured no. in the in the 
uh, magazine Woman's World the same year. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't think that's true. I don't know if that's <laughs> <And> then, true. <laughs> but, I mean, the chorus of that possible. song is, tell the truth, this is a woman's world. So, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, and and then, it, it is also, I think, important to note that uh, the song was written by James Brown and uh, Betty Jean Newsom. That's a whole other level, right? Yeah. Of like, you know, maybe she's the one who said, you better put, it wouldn't be nothing without, <laughs> or I walk. It was just like, no, it's a man's role. It also <laughs> should be noted that the title is a parody of a movie, but. Yeah, the movie was Wayne's World. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a grain of salt that you should right. take it all with. Uh, all right, Rachel, what's your yeah. first song? My first song is a Different Drum which mm. was made most famous by Linda Ronstadt and the Stone Ponies, but originally was, it was written by Mike Nesmith and of- Always uh, the Nesmith. Always, always. Uh, and it was originally released by a, a bluegrass band called the Greenbrier Boys, so it was originally sung by a, uh, by a male group. Now don't get me wrong, it's not that I knock it, it's just that I am not in the market for a girl who wants to love. interesting part of it is everybody i mean if you don't know the song i don't know how to, what to what to do with you but <laughs> it's an amazing song um but there is a part in it uh where she says yes and i ain't saying you ain't pretty all i'm saying is i'm not ready for any person place or thing to try and pull the reins in on me right so the song itself is about um a person or originally a man who didn't want to settle down right one person wanted to settle down the other person didn't um, mm. when you leaving just that one word pretty in there and the way that Linda Ronstadt sings it, there's something about it that really makes it interesting. It's always stood out to me, you know, even when I was younger and you hear the song, you're like, it's interesting that she's saying, I ain't mm. saying you ain't pretty. Um, but it really has, uh, you know, a, a, a different weight to it than if it's just a man, especially, you know, like a bluegrass, you know, it's a little lighter in the bluegrass version well i think earlier in 1967 yes right again right i think the original version is again very straightforward where it's like i'm a free spirit man you're you know you're a woman your entire value is by your looks so look i'm not saying that you're not pretty because I, i don't want you to think the reason why i'm leaving is because you're ugly um you know it's you are certainly pretty but i'm just not ready to be tied down right yeah which, um, which in in that time like in in terms of like thoughts towards gender like that's perfectly okay like he's he's being a man oh yeah yeah, yeah of yeah. course exactly like i don't think any you know certainly i mean i and i think this goes back to the james brown thing too where like he's saying this is right right it's a man's right. world as it should be but don't forget to also follow, you know to have a woman in your life and, and have love whereas you know i think Cher's version is questioning like is this the way yeah. things are supposed to be, well, you know, is, like it's a man, g- man yeah. gave us the <laughs> right man gave us the car. But is that a good thing? Like in the original right. version, it was accepted. Like, yes, of course, all of this is great. Right. So 
I think that's the same thing here where like originally, you know, you're supposed to accept that. Yes, this is, you know, the way things are supposed to be by a woman singing it. First of all, it just adds such an interesting element of a woman saying, I don't want to be tied down. Right. Because that oh, yes. was that was the stereotype of the woman oh, trying to catch the man. Right. Trying yeah. to trying to, you know, pull him in and, you know, make him settle down. So her saying, I don't I, you know, I, I don't want to be tied down in and of itself is interesting. But then her and saying in 1967, it's like what? You're not right. tied down. You're not married. You're you're right. clearly There's, right. You're, you're a spinster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tw- at twenty one, you're an old maid. <laughs> but then her saying, I you know, presumably to a man, I ain't saying you ain't pretty, right? Right. Right. Uh, I'm just saying I'm not ready. Like that's like what is this relationship? It just it may it, it really opens up a lot of questions that make it so interesting. Like, you know, like is what is that what is that guy thinking when she says right i ain't saying you ain't pretty because again traditionally i'm not saying this the way it should be but traditionally a man you know is not his worth is not in his looks right at least not totally it's in what he he does right out in the world so her being like is this guy like a himbo you know what i mean <laughs> like well, I, think, just but I, like, well, I think it's i mean it could also sort of be read into like um almost like almost like like as a as a dig to him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like yep. like sort of like to to throw it back on the man and be like, you know, right? Uh, yeah, there's something so dismissive about it. That's right. Um, which which is by its very nature empowering to right. her. Yes, as as the same like where it's like you are so pretty, but I'm just not ready for this. Yeah. You know, there's in in nineteen sixty seven there's there's an empowerment in that to to sort of flip those expectations. Yeah. And just as a like a, a button on this, uh Linda Ronstadt sort of lived that. You know, she had relationships for years, but she's she never got married, she never settled down. And yeah. PS had a very fulfilling life. <laughs> so she Yeah. She did have a different drum. <laughs> <laughs> And as always in this podcast, it comes down to Mike Nesmith and Linda Ronstadt. That's right. That's right. This this is where they come together. That's right. Yeah. I mean, if we had uh, any sense, this would be like our series finale because this is like <laughs> basically every <laughs> everything we're interested in has come together. But that's right. Tying up all the loose ends. <laughs> I mean, if if they ever did an interview together on like Dick Cavett or or Dinosaur, mm-hmm. like that would be perfection. Yeah. 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 They yeah, showed up on mind. laughing, you know. <laughs> we'll do it with holograms. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So my my next song mm-hmm. is uh, the band Fountains of Wayne did a cover of "Hit Me Baby One More Time," the Britney Spears song. Um, and they did it as sort of like a slow kind of folk, uh, maybe not folk's the right word, but it's like an acoustic guitar version of it. Um, they it's didn't really, really change. Cool. Yeah. They didn't really change the lyrics that, you know, there's a part where she says like, you know, boy, you're, you're driving me 
blind, whatever, and they change it to girl. But otherwise, you know, it's exactly the same thing. Now, the reason why I think this is interesting is not only the gender flipped aspect of it, um, is definitely a big part of it, but it is interesting that, you know, what when a thirty five year old man says something versus when a, you know, sixteen year old girl says right. it. Right. Um two of including like when a, you know, sort of a slowed down version of a 35 year old man saying the reason I breathe is you. Yeah. Um, starts to get <laughs> like creepy. Right? right. I mean, the founds Wayne version, you know, I don't know how much of this was intended, but I mean, it's basically their version is about a stalker because a lot of the language is super weird. Again, when a 16 year old girl says it, you're like, well, you know, kids are crazy. and under, like, and under a pop and under a, a pop, you know, melody. Right. You know, exactly. Right. So the, the way the song is performed and also who's saying it and who's singing it really changes the meaning without changing the lyrics almost at all. Right. Right. All the lyrics are the same. But, you know, him saying, like, my loneliness is killing me. I must confess. I still believe um, when I'm not with you, I lose my mind. Give me a sign. That sounds like about a person who's going crazy right. and is like potentially a crazy stalker. Where again, a sixteen-year-old girl is just like, ah, kids are crazy. She'll forget about it next week. You yeah. know, she's just being dramatic. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. You know what I mean? But like, it's funny how reading those lyrics on the page here and hearing the Founds of Wayne version, the fact that I heard the Britney Spears version a thousand times and never thought about how crazy that language is. Yeah. Right. Actually, cast the Britney Spears version in a different light because I was like, maybe she's not just a crazy kid. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe there is. You know, maybe there's more going on here than than you initially think just when you hear the song. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think I think just in like the like you said, the slowing down, you can focus on these on the lyrics. And like you said, there's no there's no real big change except for the the pronoun change. But in just it's in the singing and in who is singing it just changes the the weight of it, I guess, or not the weight or the, what feels like the intention behind it, you know? And mm. it does make you question the, every version that's come before. And yeah. I think a lot yeah. of these are, are like, are, are like that, where you listen to one version that you may not have known, whether it be the first one or the second one or whatever. And you start to question everything about what the meaning behind <laughs> the song is. Right. Well, so much right. of this though is, is in the instrumentation as opposed, mm -hmm. like, it's not necessarily right. a gender thing in this situation. It's more the instrumentation. It's also, to your point, Dan, the, the, who the singer is versus the gender of the singer. It's, it's the right. age of the singer. Um, yes. And again, I think that, like, I think the gender is part of it, but yes, like the, you know, again, the fact that this is now an adult who's saying it as opposed to a teenager. Yeah. Right. Um, Cause I think potentially like a teenage boy could also sing lyrics like this and it wouldn't seem as weird because and you would sort of like, write it off as like, Oh, crazy kids. Crazy but like kids. as soon as yeah. an That's adult singing, it, 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 gets, <laughs> <laughs> right. it gets darker. Right. Yeah. Again, because you know, like saying something like the reason I breathe is you like that can be really sweet. Or it could be like, oh, you know, we broke up six months ago. Right. Like, you got to let it go, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I haven't which, seen you which, in 20 years. Right. <laughs> which I think the Fountains of Wayne version is, is, is more like. Yeah. So, um, all right. 
Michael, your next, your song. Okay, so my next song is, I think, uh, a favorite on this podcast. It's um, Dancing on My Own by um, the original version by Robin and a cover version by Callum Scott. I'm in the corner watching you kiss her. We'll get into this. The pronouns don't change in this song. So we're right. not like saying like, this is different because he's singing to a man. Right. We're right. not doing that. It's 21st century. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. We're good. Um, so what's interesting here is, so the, the, the opening line is, somebody said you've got a new friend, but does she love you better than I can? There's a big black sky over my town. I know where you're at. I bet she's around. So the pronouns stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and the chorus is, I'm in the corner watching you kiss her. I'm right over here. Why can't you see me? I'm giving it my all, but I'm not the guy you're taking home. So what's interesting is in Robin's version, she does say, I'm not the guy you're taking home. Right. Right. Um, it could be because there's a really nice internal li- uh, rhyme with right. that. <laughs> Uh, so and I mean potentially pragmatic, right? And potentially, I mean, you know, the term "guy" can be gender neutral, right? Yeah, you say like, "Hey, guys," and you, you know, so potentially maybe that's all it means. And like you said, it just it rhymes nicely. But so I think, but I think this one, right? She's Robin. But what I was going to say was, uh, Michael, I'm sorry to interrupt. But what makes this interesting, I think, is that there is a potentially gender fluid. Yes. You know, thing going on in the first song. So yep. now by flipping it, it's like you're just adding to that. Yeah. What's what's interesting in the Callum Scott version is that he doesn't change any of the pronouns. So mm. what it does is add uh like we said earlier, it's it's an extra layer to this song where if he's singing to a man who's leaving him for a woman, or if he's singing for a woman who's leaving him for a woman. Right. It, it it kind of makes you rethink it. Yeah. It, in the Robin version, you just sort of assume that she's singing to a man who's leaving her for a woman. Right. But what the Callan Scott version does is it, it almost makes you reexamine the Robin version. Well, right. and I think it also, it makes you reexamine that. It also makes you um, not reexamine the character that they're, that they're singing to, but it adds more in the Callum Scott one like you said it adds more ambiguity about the person that that is that is dancing with the the other woman you know what yeah, I mean right. and it um it... yeah I think that there's yeah I mean first of all they're both um, um, amazing versions and I do think you know with with the Robin version changing you know having the the kiss her she and then I'm not the guy you're taking home um I I don't think it's just kind of like you know, hey guys, I I do think there's a little bit of um, forethought by Robin in it. You know, to mm-hmm. to be able to yeah. play to be able to play around with that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think that I think you're right. Like the Callum Scott version just takes that another 
level deeper to be like, you know, what, you know, who is this person that he is singing to? Yeah, it it adds an interesting um, extra layer to the story. And what I find it does is it makes you, like I said, go back to the Robin version and think about that. But it also makes you think about your assumption that she would be singing to a man. Right. He would be singing to own like you listen to pop songs and you just sort of assume like you're kind of we're trained to think about like this heteronormative yeah. uh, exactly. uh, perspective on the lyrics. And I'll point you in the direction of there's a song uh, by a great big world called uh, Hold Each Other. And I saw an interview or read an interview with them when they were writing the song. It's a duo, two men. Mm-hmm. Um, one is straight is one and one is gay. Uh, when they were writing the song, they went back and said, well, how could you sing this verse with any real authenticity? So they changed it to be like like the, the one of them who is gay is singing to a man. Right. Mm-hmm. And they said, like, you don't hear pop songs like that. No. I think you're right. I mean, we've spoken about this a couple of times and where we'll be talking about, and we use the words presumably because of right. i think you're exactly right like those the that in pop music there's this uh like presumption of like heteronormative culture and so you know to have a song that that sort of flips that on its on its head is refreshing i think and also um right. really interesting yes and i mean i often say presumably um for that reason as well but also i'm a big believer in like if you hear the Calum Scott version, and you think he's singing to a woman, or if you hear that version, and you think he's singing to a man, you're both right. Right. Like it's whatever, like whatever yeah. your interpretation right. is, like that it's because it's what it means to you. Right. So I'm not gonna. I often say presumably only because I'm not gonna tell anyone this is you know definitely what it is. Right. right. It it's I'm a big believer in you know what they call death of the author. Like it, whatever you interpret it as being is what it is for you. Right. It doesn't matter necessarily what the author intended or what someone else might get out of it. It's right. what you get out of it is what's important. Yeah. So, um, all right. I actually have a bunch more to say about that, but we're trying to keep this short. So well, listen, I also uh, think dancing on, this is not the last you've heard of dancing on my own <laughs> no. <laughs> on this yeah. show. This might get its own episode. <laughs> uh, all right. So Rachel, what's your, your last song? I have a little song called hound dog. Never heard of it. <laughs> you ain't nothing but a hound dog. Obviously, everybody knows Hound Dog by, uh, from Elvis Presley. It was originally written, A, by Lieber and Stoller, who we loved when they were 19. Yes. But it was written for uh, Big Mama Thornton, a, a, a blues singer. And the, the, changes, the, the changes in the lyrics are fairly drastic. The, the, the melody is, is pretty similar. Um, but I have to say that having listened to both of them, I've heard the, the Big Mama Thornton uh version a uh, few times now in tr- in trying to and there's a lot that I'll say there's a lot that goes into this not just from you know a gender perspective but a, uh you know but a race perspective as, as well but we'll talk about mm-hmm. the gender version first so uh right. or this round um so 
Big Mama Thornton in the song, it is very clear she is singing about a hound dog, which is a, you know, slang word for a, for a man who just sort of plays around, right? Um, and it's mm. clear in the lyrics that he's just, you know, he doesn't want her. He just wants to find a place to hang, right? And, um, and so it makes sense because the Elvis version, it, they, they stripped sort of that away, that, that feel of away. So it just comes this idea of you're, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. And the question is, well, what does that mean when a man sings it? Because it's saying you, you ain't no friend of mine uh, and you never right. caught a rabbit. And there's, um, you know, those changes in the lyrics um, are make, make the song make sort of no sense in the Elvis version. <laughs> I should say the Elvis version he got from another band that, that made an arrangement called Freddie Bell and the Bell Boys. So he's doing the version of He's doing the Freddie Bell and the Bellboys version of the song, not Big Mama Thornton's version. But the the mm. changes and stripping away the idea that the hound dog is a man who's playing around and just trying to like get a place to hang out with this woman, it it's it strips that away and sort of makes it it in a way nonsensical. Um, right. Yeah, well, I isn't mean, there like a. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the 50s it was like steve allen or ed sullivan or something where he's legitimately singing to a dog <laughs> that's right it was steve allen i mean that's that's a bigger i mean that's a bigger conversation because that's steve allen being like oh this fad right. of rock and roll right. like how stupid right. it is like so that i mean that's obviously i mean it is related there but that is a different because i mean steve allen would not do that to like a right. blues singer right you know what i mean like if if big mama thornton was going to be on her show now i mean there's a lot of reasons why maybe she wouldn't be, but we'll t- table that for the moment. But yeah, I mean, again, that's that's another thing of like who's singing the song and in right. what genre, right? Rock and roll was not a genre that Steve sure. Allen took seriously, right. right? So he made it a joke, whereas like you know, uh, he maybe he wouldn't have done that to someone else. Also, you know, like if Tommy years- Dorsey and his orchestra came on and <laughs> did Hound Dog, maybe right. And I mean, like you know, Ed, like um. Uh, what you call it? Elvis Presley is on. Uh, I think it's Elvis, and that's the one where they won't right. show his hips. Yeah, right. They only shoot him from the waist up. You know, and everyone's like either terrified of rock and roll or thinks it's a joke. A few years later, the Beatles are on Ed Sullivan. It's the biggest thing ever. He's not making it a joke. This is like a ratings powerhouse, right? So that that's another thing too. Where like the genre also, you know, but, makes a big difference. And right, also, but I will say this: like it. it was the the Big Mama Thornton version. A was a big a big hit. Uh, but also mm-hmm. was seen as like too provocative for for white audience audiences and like the rock and roll right. sort of audiences. I mean, which whatever rock and roll roll right. was at that point, right? Um, so that's why these things. I mean, the 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 first lines of it are "You ain't nothing but a hound dog." Been snooping around the door, uh, and then it says, "You can wag mm-hmm. your tail, but I ain't gonna feed you no more." So there's like, and it goes deeper and right. deeper. It talks about the, the second verse is about. Um, the hound dog guy making her blue and like, you know, uh, making her upset. None of that is in the Elvis version, right? They've stripped it away. Um, so there's much more of a story in the big mama Thornton version than in the, than right. in the Elvis version. Um, I- right. And I think the Elvis version, you know, I, I mean, I obviously I don't know the man's mind, right. but I would assume that, you know, it it wasn't like he was like, oh, I'm going to take this song and like gender flip and it's going to make a statement like 
I'm sure he was like, oh, this is just a good song that someone told me about. And I'm no, and like it. I said, but, but he also was a big mom. He ha- he was a fan of Big Mama Thornton. He had her album, so he wasn't right. even going off of her version. He was going off of this other version that a male group had already flipped and right, and right. Stripped but I'm just saying the, that like of the um sexuality, the you know the genderness of it, right? But I but I, what I was gonna say was I think just by like if you create something, whether you intend it or not, you're saying exactly, something. yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't think he this. Like I said, it wasn't like the share thing. Where it's like I'm gonna make a statement with this song, but just by the changes that he made and who was singing it, right? Um, it changed it. And again, we're not gonna get into this because we can't. You know, this is the end of the episode. <laughs> we can't give it this its is due a much bigger right conversation in this. It's a much bigger conversation, but like you said, it's not just a gender thing, right? Obviously, you know it the criticism of Elvis is that he took things that black people made and then presented them to a white audience as a, you know, safe. Cause he was a, you know, a handsome white guy. Again, we're not going to go into that now because right. it's a much bigger conversation. We can't do it. But that, of course, that also changes what the song means in the fact that, you know, it's a white guy singing it as opposed to right. a black woman like that, that also changes the meaning of the song. And again, you know, her, version is so clear that you would you know a woman would call a cheating man a hound dog when elvis says it like well what does that right right mean <laughs> like what is he talking about yeah. is he literally talking about yeah. a dog is he talking about a friend who betrayed him is he talking about nothing like it's not yeah clear so that changes the the you know the meaning yeah. so much it just becomes just a song you can that, dance to so. <laughs> and right and yeah. the, exactly. you know and a song that had that changed music for you know the the remainder of time but aside from that what exactly is it? yeah but <laughs> right i mean that's the other thing too like you know i mean you when you told us i mean this is not the song itself but again also the popularity right. of the song right per, per, perhaps changes the perception because when you told me oh that song's a cover it was by big mama thornton right. i didn't know that i mean I'll, I'll fully admit that like you know i knew the elvis version obviously that's the famous version but you know so again just that obviously changes the perception of the mm-hmm. song and that that's the version that most people know. So, you know, it, it and now finding out that it's a cover colors my perception of yeah. the Elvis version. I think most importantly. Yes. Lieber and Stoller, who wrote Hound Dog. Yes. Also wrote Pearl's a Singer. <laughs> oh, okay. man. Even in the minisode. Even in the minisode, so. she shows up. <laughs> I think that's important to note. <laughs> yes. I, this I, this I, is Michael... one of their minor hits. Pearl's a Singer is really what put them on the map. I'm in, I'm impressed, Michael. I'm impressed that you resisted the urge to drop the mic. At that point, <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> you were like gazelle out. I did it. <laughs> I'm a, that's why I was here. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this story song podcast. Um, if you like this minisode, uh, let us know. Uh, if you didn't like it, or you know, don't be mean, but you know, we'll take some constructive <laughs> criticism just because we want to keep doing these and we want to, you know, we want to make them as good as possible. Um, if you have an idea for mini so mm-hmm. that you think we should tackle, definitely let us know. You can, you can hit us on the socials like, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Um, and if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple podcasts or wherever you get podcasts, we'd certainly appreciate it. Also tell your friends, yeah. uh, to follow the show, um, sign up, uh, listen to it, let them know how good it is. Uh, we'd really appreciate that as well. So, I'm Dan McInerney. I'm Rachel Oaks. And I'm Michael Gazelle. We'll be at, back at you next time. Thanks for listening, and goodbye. Bye. Bye. You ain't no friend of mine.
Our theme music was written and performed by Jason Flowers. Find him on Twitter at Jason Flowers with a Z. Some of our bumper music was provided by Purple Planet Music. Our logo was designed by Dan Geva. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at story underscore song, and on Instagram at story song podcast. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. The Story Song Podcast is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Go to pantheonpodcasts.com. Thanks for listening. It's the Story Song Can you do, actually, can you just do what they did for, like, Alexa and just record every syllable in the English language? So it's like, she, sha, show. And then, like, <laughs> I'll put it all together. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.